1: Becoming Buddha Cross River Meditation Center preserves and presents a human Buddhist dhamma initially recorded as the second book of the Pali Canon, the Sutta Pitaka. Our practice is informed from over 300 curated suttas restored by John to their original intent and practical focus. Our practice is empty of imagined insight, magical thinking, mystical grasping after, and unfounded speculation. Our teachers and students remain focused on these suttas to develop a direct... Mindful experience of establishing a well-concentrated, supple, and conflict-free mind through the Eightfold Path. It is the Eightfold Path that Siddhartha Gautama taught over the last 45 years of his life with the sole purpose of abandoning self-inflicted stress and suffering through ending ignorance of Four Noble Truths.
2: Um, there's There's more now.
1: Should I read the guidelines? Yeah. All right. Vata-moksha means towards liberation. These guidelines support a well-informed and well-focused sangha and establish the most effective environment for dhamma practice, always focused on liberation from ignorance. Becoming Buddha Cross River Meditation Center is a true refuge from the chaos of the world and ideological contradictions and foundational confusion prevalent in the modern Buddhist by common agreement. Buddhism by common agreement. Our practice is framed by the Eightfold Path, which establishes a skillful balance of jhana meditation, sutta study, sangha participation, and daily individual dhamma practice. When gathered for dhamma class, we refer only to the Buddha's dhamma as restored by jhana and presented by our teachers. When gathered as a sangha, we accept responsibility for maintaining the gentle integrity of our sangha. When gathered as a Sangha, we are free of grasping after magical, mystical, and speculative concepts and fabricated experiences. When gathered as a Sangha, we practice wise restraint. Questions or confusion about verbiage or arising from comparisons to other modern Buddhist practices, modern Buddhist teachers, or what they are teaching are not part of our Dhamma classes or Sangha discussions and should be addressed directly to our teachers outside of Dhamma class. Individual class suttas are linked in our newsletter for home study prior to class.
2: Thank you so much.
3: Excellent. So this week is chapter 17. Chapter about anger. It's probably the most powerful emotion out there. And I think probably one of the main reasons why people... Are searching for solutions, whether it's how they handle their spouse or their significant other or their parent or their children, there's that level of frustration that we should be in more control. They should be able to suppress that. And of course, as we learned last Saturday, Jen taught us that these things that arise are not to be suppressed. They're not to be pushed down and swallowed and denied we're human the Buddha was a human I'm sure the Buddha got angry and the Buddha taught us to understand that all things are impermanent and that recognition is what we are here for recognition understanding of what the root of that anger is. And we often talk about there's dukkha, the first noble truth. You have to look at the second and third noble truth as well. You know, again, Zach briefly touched on that this is a four noble truth practice, an eightfold path. And... That's what the Buddha addresses in tonight's chapter. And tonight's chapter is called the Kodavaga. It's the 17th chapter of the Dhammapada. This is John's introduction. This chapter teaches the importance to recognize and abandon anger. Anger with ourselves, with others, with the world. It's easily identified manifestation of self identification with impermanent phenomenon arising and passing away. Anger is the immediate manifestation of ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. Anger is an emotion that is driven by eye making. And because we're deluded, because our concentration isn't there to see it, so often that. Like moment of being slighted or marginalized or passed over or bumped into is a blur. And it's this anger that is such a powerful emotion that we often join with that anger. It's our right. This is happening to me. This is happening because of something out there. The world this person that doesn't agree with me and the buddha teaches us that of course we're the source of our anger that the world is aflame with the passions the fire but it's the passions within ourselves we're the cause of our anger Kodavaga abandon anger. Abandon anger and its root conceit. Go beyond greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. When thinking, when clinging to name and form is abandoned completely, no stress or suffering arises. So the Buddha refers to the three defilements greed, aversion, and diluted thinking. And of course, anger is just a, is aversion. John's words, name and form is ongoing self-identification with ordinary phenomenon arising and passing away, attaching my name to any physical or mental form. This is ongoing fabrication. The Buddha continues, as a strong charity controls their charge. The disciple controls anger as anger arises. This is a true charity tear. Others only hold on tight to the reins. This is my favorite line in the whole teaching. Overcome anger by being free of anger. Overcome evil by skillful behavior. Overcome miserliness with generosity. Overcome Lies rooted in ignorance with four noble truths. Do not give in to anger. Always speak the truth. Be generous with little. These three are praised by the noble ones. So acting on our anger through unskillful thoughts, words, and deeds sets into motion more unskillful thoughts, words and deeds. Some see when they show their anger that's a some sign of strength and to not be angry is a sign of weakness not to you know be seen as angry you know and oftentimes it's you know in today's world being against something being angry and that energy that it takes to be angry and you know this practice that I found it doesn't mean that you're not caring about social issues, but to have conceit to think that I can be angry and do anything but to contribute to more anger. Because of course, when you get into the back and forth with anyone, whether it's a parent or a brother or a sister or children, yeah. Rarely does anything get resolved in a positive way. Nope. Almost never.
2: Okay, to say Beyonce. So Beyonce. Beyonce.
3: <laughs> How's that work for you in the past? <laughs> Not well, right? And... But this anger is this thing that we also think there's some levels of anger or some versions of anger that are justified. Because, of course, I've got to be seen as being angry. But the Buddha would tell you that there's no anger that's justified. It's conceit. And when we start parsing out this, we've had discussions through the last few weeks. What about justice? What about ambition? What about desire? What about anger? Of course, there has to be some version of anger that's acceptable in this. And of course, we're human, so we're going to be angry, but that lack of concentration means we don't have the mindfulness to keep the four old truths to the fore. And that's what this practice is. That's simply what this practice is, is to be able to develop that concentration so you can walk down the street. be with a parent, be with a family member, and be harmless. The Buddha continues. The disciple, harmless and well-restrained, abandons the living death of ignorance. Confusion, delusion, and suffering cease. Always vigilant and well-focused, ever mindful of their goal, their defilements fade away. And of course, the only way to accomplish that is to develop that concentration you know some of these dhammapada chapters you can see them as these simple you know short little teachings but within there just that last verse it's telling you to develop your practice it's telling you that your meditations there to do something in the instructions it's telling you it's there to build concentration so you're not distracted and what's just use anger what happens with anger and i always describe it because it used to happen to me i would lose my peripheral vision i would be blind and the lack of control and lack of understanding which is Spin off into, of course, I'm going to hurt people around me. And that's absolutely what would happen. So, when the Buddha is saying, well restrained, that's what he's talking about is developing your practice. Buddha continues Ignorance is an ancient practice. Rooted in ignorance, they blame those who remain silent, as well as those who talk too much, and even those who speak with moderation. For the ignorant, there is no one who is not to blame. There never was, and there never will be, a person who can be wholly blamed or wholly praised. But there are those who are praised by the wise, who, observing others from right view day after day, know them to be flawless in character, wise, virtuous, knowing the four truths. These are worthy of praise as coined, refined gold. They are praised everywhere. Always guard against angry speech. Always remain in control of your speech. Abandon verbal misconduct and practice right speech. Always guard against angry thoughts. Always remain in control of thoughts. Abandon mental misconduct and practice right intention. The disciple, while concentrated, remains mindful and restrained in thought, word and deed. They are well controlled and free of anger. That's the end. So again the, the common question that we've heard recently is what about what about this? Is this an exception? Is it outrage so great that of course I have to be angry? And the Buddha says no. But Buddha doesn't say don't be human, don't be angry, be aware that it's arising and that it's passing. That's my favorite part of what how Jen teaches, that she pounds away at that, that message. That we're here to be aware that it's arising because that's what your concentration, you're aware now. And you have an opportunity to be well restrained, wisely restrained. It's not this like, like muscle willpower that will eventually give out. It's something that just develops. And it's that slow development. Like I walk the streets now, I walk the world calmly, peacefully, without anger. Now, do I get angry? Yes. But I notice it so deeply. And I notice that I need to understand where that came from. Because there's always more to understand about that. Your conditioned thinking what what happened that you know something mary said last night that triggered something internally in me that was like oh I don't feel good here and that level of anger I've got to notice I've got to like address I don't pound away at it I don't like contemplate it but it's something that I I do address and that's part of the, the work of this practice is to develop that concentration so i can be mindful of that moment and i don't beat myself up about it but it's something that i am very aware of so uh,
2: that's it why don't we go around the room I think we'll start
3: with Mr. Aspel, first of all.
2: Why are you picking on me? I'm so angry. <laughs> what am I going to grow up? Never.
0: I hope not. Clearly. Um, if there's one noticeable change in my behavior between pre understanding what the Buddha taught in post, it's it's this one thing. I mean there's a whole lot of other things, but it's sure I was born and angry. I think I said last week in class that when I came out, I punched doctor's doctor <laughs> and that's that's how I live my life. It's just so frustrated and angry and not knowing why. And really it was it came down to not understanding what my life was all about. And I felt like I should be something different than I was, but of course, none of us can be. But when I finally understood the nature of dukkha and the nature of a six property human being, then I realized that there's nothing to be angry at. And if I was angry at anything, even if I could focus it on someone else, that anger anger was really always at myself. Because I wanted something to be different and it wasn't. And so the radical acceptance that comes from understanding the first noble truth then allows one to easily abandon anger. There's nothing there for it to arise from. You know, it, takes, it takes a little bit of conditioning towards greed and aversion for anger to arise. The the practice just deals with it, just deals with it directly. You mentioned so often in your excellent teaching about the just the concentration necessary. Oh, it is so when something happens in the world that might have I might have lost my mind over, um, because of jhana practice, I don't. There's nothing, there's, there's no simpler way of saying that, saying that and that you know, acting that way is the most ordinary way of living, isn't it, for a human being? A human being should understand what it means to be a human being and that, that human being should understand what it means for other people to be human beings. And if you can understand yourself and understand the first noble truth, when people do things that you might have gotten angry over, you realize they're just human, just like you. And what is there to be angry at? We can want things to be different. You know, we can look out on the world and say, "Look at this and look at that," and that's okay. But to be angry at anything is just foolish. It just is. And again, what what is it? What about this and what about that? That's just looking for an excuse to invent your own ignorance, isn't it? Mm. Again, an excellent teaching and one of my favorite parts of the Dhammapada, but I say that at least 26 <laughs> times going through it. Thank, thank
2: you, man. Thank you, Jim. Yeah.
1: Thought I knew. What I was reflecting on, but now I'm tripped up because of what John said. Oh, no, in a good way.
4: more. You're so mean, aren't you? I'm
1: furious. <laughs> no, um, thank you, David, for the teaching. Um, what I thought I wanted to talk, or share about, or reflect on was, and hear a little bit more about with what you said about conditioned thinking, to understand why this is something i could totally relate to as you were sharing why am i feeling so angry oh wouldn't it be beautiful to pause and interrogate that before i was just angry Mm -hmm. and lashing out at who what where um could you say a little bit more about how that reaction is the
3: way i think about what this practice and i was always bring everything back to within the context of this practice in what this practice is doing with my conditioned thinking, it's creating a new vehicle for me that what was once the way I operated was based on ignorance of the four noble truths. And slowly but surely through a dedication to developing my practice twice a day every day coming to class being with you that my conditioning has changed Mm
2: -hmm.
3: my world view is different things that i saw as normal aren't valid anymore so my conditioning has changed so I, I, is that answer at all?
1: Yeah, I think so, and I, I feel like in previous classes, I've come to associate conditioned thinking, like not as a negative, but we often use about it, like social society conditions our thinking to acting or perceiving mm-hmm. and experiencing yeah. this way. But here, I think is the first time that I'm experiencing conditioned thinking as something that's not doesn't have a positive or negativity associated with it. It's just, oh, I'm reconditioning myself to have a different.
3: Yeah, that's a good way to. uh, And again, this, what we do here is not determining what's right or wrong. Yeah. It's skillful and not skillful. It's not skillful to go into any action thinking that, If I don't get what I want, then it's a loss or I'm looking for a win. And then I'm open to that anger, I I am. And this practice has allowed me to, you know, be a better listener, be be a better parent, be a better husband. Uh,
2: Yeah. If If you look at conditioning
0: as something, good or bad, it's going to lead to anger. Mm. And it always will. Because for one thing, I'm angry that I got conditioned. Mm-hmm. And I, conditioning is just, it's a, its part of the first noble truth as a kind con- consequence of having a human life. You're going to be conditioned. And we all are to, to some extent to feel like you need to constantly be rooted in eye-making in order to survive. But the truth is, it really flourishes sukkha. You know, the opposite of the counter to dukkha. True human flourishing comes through understanding what it means to be a human being. Mm. It makes sense, doesn't it? But nobody helps us that. Nobody told me that until I read what Siddhartha Gautama actually taught. Nothing really bad is going on except in your own head. You know, I mean, there's a lot, the world is dukkha. There's a lot of... There's always... Right now, it seems like the world is at a like a crisis point. But we've been at this crisis point many times through history. And, I, and I'm not saying that things might not get worse, but there is Dukkha, and none of it is to be taken personally. So, whether we're at a more agitated state as a country, as a global society, well, maybe we were compared to 30 or 40 years ago. But that's just human life, there's nothing to blame, nobody, I mean everybody can pick out bad actors but people that are acting badly are acting badly out of ignorance if we fall into hatred because of things not being the way we think they should be, what are we doing acting out of our own conditioned thinking but this isn't a a pacifist way of looking at the world, it's a realistic way of understanding. And I understand, I understand your anger. I've never seen you angry. Couldn't imagine you angry, but I'm sure you get angry. But I can understand your anger because I understand my anger. I understand what it did to me, um, how it hurt me, how it hurt others. but well, and now I can also know the contrast, and I'm liberated, I'm free of that. And the only thing I did different is take an eight-hole pen. To me,
4: that's
2: remarkable. Thank you, friend
4: Laura. Yeah, thank you for uh, the teaching, David. This is very, very helpful on the meditation and everybody's comments. I, I don't know. I guess today, the especially during you know sitting alone with it, the um, feelings of just doubt, uncertainty, inadequacy all kind of i just i don't know i lost it for some reason today i can't really explain why but you know john that was so helpful what you were just saying because it's i was becoming during meditation so angry with myself because <laughs> i couldn't let that go and it was you know i was getting so frustrated mm-hmm. and then i just kept crying and crying and then julia had to read them. Mm-hmm. but you know sometimes like don was saying it's just this you know we're born with that conditioned mind and the jhana practice it's not always going to be uh this calm perfect you know meditation i don't i don't really know why it feels this way you know so overwhelming right now maybe i don't know but it you know it doesn't help to just psychoanalyze it like yeah. you were saying david like you know analyze it, you know, the anger or the um, whatever you're feeling, but the more you try at least a little bit to come back to that calm and breath and concentration, then I I started to notice, you know, I'm regaining my (laughs) equilibrium. So, yeah, thank you. Thank
2: you. you. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for the teaching. Um, what what strikes me that uh, a word
3: that I've seen a few times now and so it does is ordinary. And I think what human life
2: is ordinary, right? Is that one, but development of the Dhamma is rare. But I, I think the entering kind of
3: a certain phase of adulthood, You know, there's, there's this idea of ordinariness
2: that, um, I'm wrestling with and, but
3: because of the practice coming to really enjoy, um, whereas a few years ago it was anger and frustration that, you know, it's not all, um, not every day is miraculous and, you know, uh, particularly special, but it's just it's what it means to be alive. So exactly, okay. um,
2: yeah. Well, thank, thank
5: you for Thank you from. Thank you, great teaching. Um, yeah, I was always known as the as the quiet kid, you know, and yeah. the, the calm one. Um. then people that knew me a little bit better would also remember a couple of spectacular blowouts. (laughs) Um, And that, you know, continued into my adulthood. Um, And um, this practice has, has allowed me to, Investigate that further. That that you know, where that anger comes from, mm. and um,
0: where did it comes from.
5: I realized that I I sit on a lot of frustration. <laughs> you know, there's frustration about life, my circumstances. You know, um, and, and you know, I'm, uh, there I am. You know, dealing with things, dealing with things, dealing with things, and um, I don't realize that I'm. I'm frustrated, you know, okay. in a certain way, of doing it. You and do then, now,
0: though. So the question. Yeah,
5: sooner or later, you know, there comes the blow up.
0: Yeah.
5: Um. And yeah, and it's it's not until you get enough concentration that you can. Now I can see that level of frustration when it's when it's happening, yeah. and now mm-hmm. I can I can you know look at that and and see oh this is frustration that's happening Mm. you know and i can either then do something about that about the situation or i can just be there with the frustration and
4: okay this is frustration
3: yeah and you mentioned something about you can properly investigate within Mm -hmm. the context of dependent origination and right the practice entirety versus ruminating and yeah. you know frustrated and
5: exactly.
3: you, you can, have an avenue now to right. properly investigate
5: yeah. and the proper part is just you know uh being aware of it you know you can mm-hmm. see the arising if you can see the arising mm-hmm. if you and and if you with that same Concentration, create the space in your mind to not, you know, you're not either suppressing this or mm-hmm. or uh doing something in, in that frustration. Just be with it, you know. And it's and the time there is seconds, mm-hmm. a lot of times. I
3: think we where, just saw that. Yeah,
5: you don't need to act on, I don't need mm-hmm. to act on this frustration. I know. I also don't need to suppress it. I can just be with this frustration. And then
0: when you can do that, it's not like so it. frustrating.
5: It's not so frustrating. It's just, and then it's just like, You know, okay, this situation creates a certain amount of tension. Okay. You know, you am I going am making... I going to go crazy right now? No.
1: For me, it manifests not necessarily as like anger anger, but it's it's anxiety, it's from, but like, I'm using that word to represent like, I don't like this right now, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't feel good, Um, it's not so angry as it is, just sort of like discomfort. Yeah, Yeah. and in
5: my life, there's lots of anxiety too, Uh, you know, and and again, it's situations that I find myself into, where I was just uncomfortable, Mm. I didn't know what was going to happen, I wanted to be certain way, and I didn't turn out to be certain I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, again, that level of frustration arises. And that uh, always, you know, if you don't see it, it ends up in your relationship and it, it mm-hmm. can kill the best of relationships, mm-hmm. whether it's your with my spouse or my children or, you know, my parents when they were still alive, mm-hmm. uh, it would all happen. <clears throat> And having be... the space, having the concentration and the space mm-hmm. to see it arise is makes the difference.
3: And understand that it's because you're you're wanting something to be different than mm-hmm. what it is. Right. And again, you're always everything's always rolling back to the four noble truths. Mm-hmm. And the fourth noble truth is your means to develop those skills of concentration and mindfulness. That's the practice.
5: Yeah. One of the things I learned when I was roaming around in India was, you know, after a couple of months of that or, or a year or so, I realized that although I didn't have any money in my pocket, I didn't know where I was going to be living, that in that last year I had never been hungry ever. And all of a sudden, this light bulb goes off in my head. You know, all this stuff that you're being anxious about
2: mm-hmm.
5: is nonsense yeah. you know yeah. you have you have no reason to so you know there there goes that part of frustration and and that yeah. still that still helps me to to look at the situation and say okay i'm anxious I'm, I'm frustrated um but you know is this really you know is this really something to be anxious about mm-hmm. because you know what is my real situation? My real situation is life continues. I've got three square meals. My health is good, and you know, nobody's in the hospital or or uh, you know or or in jail. We're doing good.
4: I got
3: bail
2: money. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. David, no, but, um, I just
4: struggle with like when you in the suttas when the Buddha talks about controlling our thoughts because it's just that makes it, it just seems like it makes me even more frustrated but I'm probably still not following what he's describing there because I find it more helpful like what Ram was saying just to be with it and then it can kind of arise and pass away eventually but Or, I mean, I understand controlling my actions so I don't lash out at people or myself, but exactly. Can you talk about that a little bit? But isn't
2: that what
3: Ram and what Jen was talking about this weekend? That it's the awareness, and that's -hmm. just being aware is that level it gives you a level of control. It doesn't mean that you can necessarily like shift your (laughs) thinking (laughs) because of that control, but Mm -hmm. without the concentration that you're developing, then I would suspect that you would have very little control over your, your thoughts. Mm-hmm. But with the concentration that you're developing.
5: When you when you observe that you're still beating yourself up, yeah. There's you that's know that's control.
2: That's also control. I mean yeah. at our, aspect, You know mm-hmm. that's
5: interesting. Being you know, really being aware of, of your situation and, and of your thoughts. Yeah. Because if you were aware of your internal situation, you would not be beating yourself up because you would know that yeah, there's is something arising and I don't have to act on it. Beating yourself up is a
0: form of acting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not being gentle with yourself. Yeah, you're yeah. mindless. And that Vada Karada Sutta that an, an auspicious day is a day when you are mindful, meaning you stayed within the framework of refined mindfulness, holding in mind the eightfold day. That's an auspicious day. That's the day when you've been in control of your thoughts. Mm. The Dr. Sondana Susan says that we gain the ability to think what we want to think when we want to think it. Imagine Mm. that, to think what you want to think whenever you want to think it, meaning it, whatever we're thinking is always appropriate to what's occurring. Mm. So if I see a car accident, I'm not going to be jumping for joy. I'll respond in a, in a mindful way on try the health on whatever that might be but I gain the ability to think what I want to think whenever I want to think that's liberation that's where, that's what we're doing here that, and it's not a it's not a rigid um, miserly kind of control isn't mm-hmm. it it's a it's a very gentle very supple kind of control that's resting in jhana mm-hmm. and you you wouldn't be talking about it if you weren't developing it
6: Right. teacher kevin good evening hey david thanks very much for the teaching um like the discussion i, I was zeroing in on uh where it says always guard against angry speech always remain remain in control of speech and then the next paragraph it says always guard against angry thoughts always remain in control of thoughts and we talk about this a lot that we can catch ourselves in action by the words that we speak or the, in the internal sort of dialogue we have, which in this case would mean our thoughts, you know? So when we're talking about what Laura's just been speaking of, you know, it's, it's going through a day and maybe not having that need to say anything about the way the day is going. The day is going the way it's going to go. It's, it's arising and it's passing away on its own. It's, it's, it's going to be day and it's going to be night and you're going to be awake for 12 hours and you're going to be sleeping for maybe eight. So it's interesting. There, there's a way to catch yourself. You know, are, are you reacting to things that are happening? Are you, are you having a thought or a word in your head that's coming to mind or feeling the need to get involved in what's occurring in, in your life? And, and, it's an interesting place to be as you continue with this practice to notice that kind of stuff so i thought that was neat where you are all taking that so thank you
7: thank you kevin. thank you kevin brian good evening hi, hi. thank you um yeah I, I i agree and echo what what everybody has said um, in my own practice it's been there's been a direct correlation between disentangling myself from my attachments and the reduction in my anger and and seeing the things that I associate or attach to with clarity and right view and and realized what what amongst those things was skillful or unskillful and then abandoned those things that were unskillful and as you, you mentioned it's just this this very gradual subtle process that your mind is reprogramming itself uh, into more skillful behavior to where you know, it gets to the point that getting angry just seems absurd I mean, why why would I get angry at these indiscriminate phenomena that are contacting my senses even though that phenomenon might look like my ex-wife and she's pushing my buttons right but it's at the end of the day it's maintaining the proper perspective in view really helps to See anger for what it is, and and we said at the beginning, it's the first line. It's conceit, pure and simple. So, thank you.
3: Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Jeff. Good evening.
2: evening, Yeah, Brian. I I it it I I stand the same way, and I think so understand it as being so ineffectual uh, in every way really there, there's just seldom any salt comes out of that in fact I, I almost see it as people express anger they're they're looking for the echo of that. return that it's almost like an amplification when you when you remain neutral it then requires that person to reassess what they're doing at least the effectiveness of it. it it's the best way I found to diffuse anger because because I see that happen in other people translated to, to my own behavior, but when I feel anger arising. I I should let everybody know here how angry I am. makes me pause and think and say, but that I would be that, that, that distorted, um, that distorted, angry person that might elicit responses in an emotional way, but Doesn't really change anything. It just spreads anxiety more than than does anything else. I'm regularly accused of being too neutral and too calm.
3: That's seen as such a negative thing these days, right?
2: Well, by some, I you know, but that's their opinion, and they're entitled to think what they want about that. I I prefer to remain neutral and calm.
0: Does it piss you off when somebody says that? (laughs)
2: Not really, because I know I'm getting to them.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. Is Deborah there?
8: Sort of. Sort of. I came in very late. I had a a mission. (laughs) Um, But I did hear the tell-in. Thank you very much, David, for your teaching. And um, to back Jeff up here, I've known him 22 years and I've only seen him angry once wow! So he's he's very neutral <laughs> thank you for your teaching good to see you all thanks Trevor.
3: thank you i think my friend jane is the last one here hi jane
8: hi david you saved me for last
3: uh, the
0: best
8: you.
3: For the anchor position
8: is that uh, i really appreciate what you the other uh, for me um I was always a very private person, so I didn't like to show my anger. So I would um, bottle it up. You know, when I became angry, I would just bottle it up and store it inside. And I realized over time that I had a lot of this stored up anger and resentment. And when I started to practice, I realized that it really had no being, you know, nothing to do with what's happening right now this was just old stuff. And, you know, so now, and you said this, David is when I become angry or when something upsets me, I deal with it in the moment. I mean, and, um, practice most of the time I say, do I really care? Do I, you know, do I have to take personally what's going on now? And most of the time, you know, I just, no, I don't. I mean, and if somebody says something I disagree with, arguments don't have to be settled. I mean, you don't have to come to some agreement or have the last word. It's just, okay, you know, so it's, it's totally changed the way I deal with anger and a lot of other things. So thank you.
3: Thank you, Jane.
1: Can I just comment on something, Jane? What, sure. Jane, I, I really appreciate what you shared. It's so resonating with me at work. At work right now, there's a We're we're navigating a lot of conflicts, and what I think was helpful from what you shared was just this notion that, like, I I, you know don't take it personally, but okay, I'm not taking it personally. I'm taking it professionally, but of course, I'm still (laughs) taking it personally, right? Like, there's no separation. It's we're not living on that show in HBO where they have their brains
2: cut. (laughs)
1: There, yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, so I, I just found the comment. Particularly resonating that.
8: I mean, it's unlikely that somebody's going to say, oh, you're right. <laughs> so what's the point? You know. How'd you know, James? <laughs> yeah. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Jane. Thank you, everyone. Anyone else?
0: Yeah, great class,
2: today. Laura, anything else? <laughs> you sure.
3: No. We're We're good. Each other. Well, Saturday, I believe our friend Tom will be teaching. Yeah. And, uh, again, each, each one of these are, you know, just always roll it back to the entire practice and, you know, think in terms of how that fits into your life. And I find it always helpful to to do that, uh, especially with the Dhammapada. So we'll finish up with Karen, you know, This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able to be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Always mindful that all beings be at ease, whatever living beings they may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths. Outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down. Free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, abandoned ignorance of four noble truths. Thank you everyone.
8: Thank you, David. Thank you, David.
0: Thank you, Jane.
7: Thank you.
8: Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye all, Bye. thanks.
0: Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com Thank you. Peace